Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Studios of WFAN. This is Mike Zahn, Francesca on the fan on this Tuesday, the 13th day of November, the day after a, well, at least a winning Monday night uh, for the football giants. And we will have both Eli and the head coach with us uh, this afternoon, 5 and 5.30 respectively, 5 for Pat uh, Sherman, 5.30 for Eli Manning. I want to first send along a, a uh, you know, a, just uh, good thoughts to the Nets' Karis LeVert. Was, you know, kid played really well. The first thought was that the injury was devastating. Now it looks like he's got a uh, dislocation of his right foot that will not need surgery. So hopefully he makes it back in some reasonable amount of time. He was playing well. So, you know, the Nets playing well. He was playing well. So he deserved better. So it's uh, too bad. So it's, you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt. So uh, we wish him well. Um, hey, you know what? A lot of people have marked all these giant games as something that is going to be final. Okay. We're going to get changes. And the change that a lot of the people want and they've been rooting for is for Eli to go to the bench and, you know, take a seat on the bench and, you know, Giants to move on. And that was obviously in the air last night. I mean, rarely do you watch a game that comes down the stretch a tie game or a game where one team now is trailing by a field goal down the stretch and the two announcers, the two analysts are squaring off as to whether or not the quarterback is a future Hall of Famer and are on different sides of the fence. Okay. Uh, and those two are confusing enough when they're, you know, agreeing, no less when they're disagreeing. I mean, because they're, well, let's not, I'm, I'm not going to pick on their broadcast, but boy, let's just say it's still a work in progress. Um, so there has been so much raised. I, I can't remember a season where so much has been raised about uh, the future, the present, and the past of a current player. Because every part of Eli's career has been open for complete examination and has been completely examined and put under the microscope 
every step of the season. You had that last night. You have a game that was not brilliantly played, but you know what? It was an exciting. It was a close. It was a listen. Both teams were trying to win hard. Both teams, you know, San Francisco has played hard all season. They lost their quarterback. They've played very hard. They feel they're building something. John Lynch, who I've known for a very long time, is a very capable guy. Feels he's building something. He feels he has the right coach. Feels he has the right quarterback. He thinks he's building a culture there. I think he is. He's got some interesting young players who he's started to develop. You got. I think they try hard. Okay, and on the Giants, the Giants have traded guys away. Uh, they don't always do everything right, clearly, but I think they're trying. And they tried again last night. And, you know, last night you had a very unusual situation where it was kind of – and no one knows that this was automatically the case. But it was kind of scripted like, all right, Eli has the field in front of him and this last chance in this very long and distinguished, although some might consider it more distinguished than others, career. And he would either uh, put the ball in the end zone or – send it in overtime, or put himself on the bench for the rest of this season and say goodbye to his giant career. I mean, that was pretty much the way it was explained, even though we don't know for sure that that was the case. I mean, we were never given any uh, any statement or any complete you know, doctrine that if the Giants lost last night, that Eli was not starting the next week, although it has been hinted that. In many places. So uh, what we watched was Eli, who played fairly well last night. I mean, he had some good moments and some bad. Uh, he missed one. He badly underthrew one pass to, to Beckham. He had him for a touchdown. He uh, had another one where Beckham, if he didn't fall down, had a walk-in touchdown where they got the three points, uh, where they got the field goal to tie the game up. Beckham obviously dropped what would have been a big play to first play of the game uh, right in his hands. So they both had their moments. And in between, they caught two touchdowns. They hooked up for two touchdown passes. So they had, for what has been this season, a bonanza last night. And clearly there is, you know, a lot more that can be done with that matchup, uh, with that connection. Because uh, you saw last night how many more plays they can make that are available to them if they can just hook up you know, and get both get on the same uh, wavelength. And the Giants, you know what they needed last night? They desperately needed a win, and that's what they got. I mean, that's, that, that's what the coach needed. That's what the organization desperately, desperately needed. They didn't care flying home last night or walking off that field that San Francisco was 2-7. and seven. They could care less. They needed a win. They needed to stay alive for another week. They needed a reason to come out there next week against Tampa and feel like they had a chance to go out and, you know, put together a winning streak. That's what they're hoping for. They're hoping they can turn this into something that, you know, gets a life of its own. As we have seen happen many times in sports, and that's what they're hoping for. They, as I said the, the other day, that one win would become two, and that two would become three in Philadelphia, and that all of a sudden they would be on a roll. Now, we saw them last night have some things that were a little better. We saw some people make some better plays. We also saw some... Real weaknesses. They did an atrocious job on defense of uh, eliminating a couple of mismatches that San Francisco went to town on the entire night. 
I mean, they embarrassed a couple of the Giant defenders in pass coverage. I mean, embarrassed them. And the Giants did a very poor job of, you know, very poor job of changing that. You know, both Turner and Ogletree were both, you know, basically scalded throughout the evening by a tight end and a running back. So, I mean, that's just the way it was. And they did a much better job running the ball, much better with their outside zone stuff than the Giants did. And the Giants still have a lot of trouble, you know, getting anything with the running game. They really do. Uh, They have trouble blocking for the run. And last night they did improve a little bit blocking for the pass. Uh, A couple plays. Eli only got sacked one time. The pass protection was a little better in spots. Um, Barkley, the one thing he has got to do now is – he has got to stop trying to score on every play. You can't do that in this league. Yeah, you can't play that way either. You have to understand that, you know, five yards a good run, six yards a good run. Um, not try to score on every, you know, there's not a lot of things I agree with uh, uh, that broadcast about last night, but one of the things was that he has to use the whole field, run a little bit more inside, and not try to score on every play. That is all true. I think that that is true that he has tried to hit too many home runs and turned some plays into losses because of that. Because, you know, he's stopping and starting, he's backing up, he's trying to spin, he's trying, you know, he's, he's trying to turn something into a big play every single time rather than just, you know, knock it up inside and take you four and move on, you know, which you have to do sometimes. There's no way around that. But the Giants... Uh, against the San Francisco team that I'd say was, you know, pretty close to them in talent. I think the Giants might have a little edge in a couple of places, but I think the Niners played hard. Um, I thought the Giant coaching staff, I thought the Niners coaching staff did a better job with their talent than the Giants did with theirs. Um, but they made some plays on the last drive. I mean, the the holding call on Barkley was critical. It was there. I mean, it was obvious, but it was critical, as was the pass interference. And you have to do that. And the Giants had not done that. And that was the first time last night you saw Eli and and Beckham take advantage of that, where you have got to force those guys into making pass interference plays down the field. And you saw that last night on two big occasions where you throw the ball knowing that pass interference is a real, very real option on the play. You did it down the middle, and then you did it down the left side on the last drive. Well, that is something that is a weapon. You have to use that. Every good pass tandem uses that. Everyone. Where if you're going to get aggressive, they're going to try and stop things, and they're going to commit penalties, and they did again last night. And they hit enough plays there. Uh, and got the ball in the end zone. And then I actually, for a second, have to admit, the way the Giants' season is gone, I actually thought they might score with one second left. I have to tell you that normally you would think, no chance. They, there's no. But the way this season is gone, the way that Carolina 63-yarder flashed through my mind last night. I'm thinking, can you imagine if he hits somebody in the back of the end zone here for a touchdown on, on, with one second left? Can you imagine them walking off this field? Would that be the case? I mean, that's kind of sum up this old year. And I, so I did think it. 
Now, when he released it, I knew it was out of the end zone, but I did think it, I have to admit. It did go through my mind. Normally it wouldn't, but the way this year is gone, it did. So for those who, and again, last night wasn't any vindication. It was just live to play another day. No one's trying to make it more than it was against the 2-7 and seven Niner team. But a lot of the people, wherever they may line up, have wanted to see that Eli flat on his face and out of the picture. That's what they've waited for. Well, they didn't get it last night. Tune in Sunday, see what happens. See if it happens next week. Probably won't happen against Tampa because if Tampa beats them, Tampa will beat them by mismatching them all over the field with their passing game, which they can clearly do because the Giants showed you in coverage last night they have some severe problems, and they have no pass rush. So Tampa, which has a quarterback who can make a lot of plays and some terrific wide receivers, terrific weapons, is going to move the ball. But they happen to be one of the two worst pass defense teams in the league. Cincinnati and Tampa are the worst. So the Giants should be able to make plenty of big plays down the field themselves, and this might be a game where no matter how the game finishes, and I think the Giants should win, that he might put up some big numbers even in a defeat, which will just muddle the picture. I know you're all looking for clarity in this Giants season as if you're going to find clarity in this kind of season. But that's what you're looking for, clarity in this season. So I would expect the offenses to dominate here. Uh, the Giants did not look good in terms of pass rush. They're terrible at the bottom of the league. And their coverage was weak. And they gave up a lot of mismatches, really mismatches. And they have some real good targets that can mismatch into, into oblivion this week. And a quarterback who can, you know, last week, as an example, Tampa put up 500 yards of offense and scored three points, which is almost impossible to do. You have to miss field goals, which they did, and they cut their kicker. You have to turn the ball over, which they did four times. And you have to muddle through a lot of four and outs. Because you got 503 yards of offense and three points. That's almost unheard of. And I heard, oh, Eli only passed for 188. Well, it's funny. When he didn't get in the end zone and he threw for 350, well, who cares if he throws for 350 if he doesn't get in the end zone? Now because he got 188, oh, he only got 188, who cares if he got in the end zone? Well, you can't have it both ways. Getting it in the end zone counts. doesn't matter how many yards you throw for. It's getting it in the end zone and putting your team in a position to win the game, and he stuck it in the end zone to win the game last night. doesn't matter if it was against the Washington Generals or the San Francisco 49ers. He did it, and that's it. We move on. Your giant calls when we come back. <laughs> 